Patrick Wilson directs the latest installment of the Insidious franchise called Insidious the Red Door. I nickname it Dorm of the Dead because that's where the majority of the creatures are attacking from the astral projection realm in this movie. Okay, let's get into it. Welcome to the Dead Harvey Podcast. This is the place for indie horror filmmakers and fans. We have fun promoting and celebrating indie horror, do interviews, deep dives, and even include some educational material. So the Insidious franchise is a very lucrative one from an independent movie standpoint. It is very notable and super profitable. This franchise doesn't really stay with me as much, but I do think it has a really cool idea. That being astral projection being used to basically like your physical body goes to sleep and then your spirit body gets up and goes to the alternate realm which where basically all like the tormented dead are and are jumping around every corner and attacking you from this movie this is crazy though because this franchise and if you wonder why they keep making these movies it's because they've roughly had a combined budget of 42.5 million and have made roughly over 556 million worldwide which is an insane profit. The first one was only made on about $1.5 million, and it was brought to us by Lee Wan-El and James Wan, who brought the original Saw series to us. So they're responsible for starting a couple of very successful series of films. And there's even more uh, Conjuring stuff coming out as well, too. Those two guys alone have spawned a series of profitable movies, franchises, and cash for their investors. So their playbook is a good one to look at on how they make movies, how they set up their franchises. With the Insidious movies, kind of similar to the Conjuring ones, they have all those spinoffs like uh, The Nun, the Annabelle stuff, any of the stuff that exists within like the Conjuring universe. So these all, you know, these series of movies, the Insidious ones all feel kind of similar to the point where I don't remember. I've seen a few of them. Like I remember the first one more. The details from the other ones I'm very blurry on because I've only seen them once. I remember the mask part in the first one. I remember the whole concept of the astral projection is a really cool idea, way to delve into. In this one here, it mostly focuses on a dorm, what aka my nickname for it, the Dorm of the Dead. And there's actually also a micro-budget movie that came out called Dorm of the Dead, if you want to. (laughs) If you want to watch that one as a double feature with this one, you'll get two very different experiences uh, well, i can guarantee you that but with insidious like you know what you're gonna get it's a lot of jump scares at the beginning patrick wilson is hypnotized to forget about these events that happened to him to forget about these horrifying events that happened to him that caused him to go kind of jack nicholson crazy on his family so he starts to so of course we flash forward to years later he starts to remain he starts to his brain's feeling more foggy more foggy things are starting to feel kind of similar to him like something's waiting to come out and remind him what he tried to forget. So the setup involves him being estranged from his family. He takes his kid to art. He drives his kid to art school. Kid and him have all this tension. And I'm just kind of watching this being like, I don't know if this is a very good movie to really like make people want to have kids because all they're doing is just arguing all the entire way while he's taking him to college. It's sort of like the contrast from Revenge of the Nerds where they're having fun driving over to college talking about what a fun time they're going to have. The kids just all bummed out. This movie does have a very good like father-son arc in it, though. I would, I would definitely give it that. For how much as this movie just kind of felt like the same thing to me, 
it, it closes out nicely. The way, that, the way that it closes out is nice and kind of rewarding for what they set up with the father and son stuff. So the kid's already like kind of annoying because he's a downer. But then he becomes less annoying because he gets a roommate, like a female roommate that has the name Chris. So he thought that she was a male roommate. And she just starts asking him all these like intrusive questions about himself. And she's sort of like very over the top. She's playing the piano, but she has a thing attached to the piano or she blows into it like like you're playing like a clarinet or a saxophone or something. It looks like a very much like designed for hipsters kind of instrument. You know, you can hear the piano being played. You don't need to blow into it. Why are you adding this? Anyways. So fast forward to this art class and this teacher that this kid reveres. He's just in complete adoration of this teacher. And this, and this teacher's going through. She's crushing everybody's spirits. She's telling them to tap deep inside of themselves and that it's not about learning technique. It's all about basically channeling the like the true spirit of art out onto the canvas, which is the opposite of what my teachers told me in school. My professors always said, don't even try to break the rules until you learn them first. And this movie I thought was kind of funny because it was the I would have liked to have seen her teachers and my teachers had a debate. Anyways, as a result of Patrick Wilson's kid reaching deep down inside and trying to get the core of his spirit out, he paints this red door, and he unlocks the realm to the further. Basically, he opens up a door to the further, which is that realm where the dead can attack you when you astral project from your body. You just have to have darkness, then your regular form falls asleep, and then your spirit form astral projects, and you can consciously guide it around this realm. So it's a very like cool concept. I remember very digging that about the first one as well too but it's a lot of um primarily jump scares it kind of has a tv movie feel to it uh it does have some like legitimate like the dead in the realm of the further are pretty creepy uh there's no doubt about that but you're basically you're seeing ghosts it's like you're going through like a haunted uh attraction like a haunted like a maze or something and seeing you know, walking by and seeing all this funky stuff happen and then then they'll and then those spirits will lurch out at you. But anyways, eventually they want to possess the human form and make it go crazy and attack people. To basically kind of like repeat what happened to Patrick Wilson in the first one. They want to do that to everybody else in the family as well, too. So that's the gist of what the movie is. Strangely enough, from what I'm hearing about this, it's also like this one and The Sound of Freedom are giving Disney strict competition for... <laughs> for Indiana Jones, both made on a mere fraction of the budget of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So this one apparently was made like around 16 million, whereas Dial of Destiny was made on 330 million and the Sound of Freedom made on 14 million. So both of those is just very, very much kind of similar budget range and very much pale in comparison to what Disney spent on the Dial of Destiny, yet they're giving it strict competition. So Disney must really be like needing an extra set of depends right now because of what's happening with them with the competition they're getting from these two movies right now. But which is great. Um it's great that these movies can be so profitable. To me, it's not it's just kind of like the same thing I've seen before. However, what I do think is really cool about this one is cool to bring up where it relates to independent movies is that of course Blumhouse movies have a very profitable way in how they're set up and shot. And Blumhouse has got to be, you know, you hear about all these studios going bankrupt. Blumhouse has got to be like the only one that's got to be actually doing well right now. One of the only ones that's actually doing well right now or not in debt because they're constantly churning out a profit from their movies. I'm sure there's some they lose money on, but their budgets are usually so low 
that they are almost always making a profit. Just this one from the Insidious franchise alone is insane. Like $42 million out of the combined budget on all their movies, and they made $557 million. That's just crazy amount of profit. Apparently, they're going to take a hiatus after this one. I don't know how long. It does feel like they kind of put a closure on it when you get to the end of this. But, but yeah, of course, they always, you know, no pun intended, they're leaving that door open so they can make more of them. But anyways, what, what I thought was interesting about this one, independent movie-wise, is that they creatively use, and the first one did this as well, too. They creatively use the same location twice. So you can basically take it, if you're doing like a micro-budget version of this, you can do something very similar as well, too, or it can kind of spark ideas for that. You're in the normal realm. You turn the lights off. You put in some low-budget fog. And all of a sudden, you're in the further. You can have stuff jump out of the darkness. But you're in the same place, but it just has fog, so it looks different and is darker. So to me, the two things that I really got out of this movie are that, number one, it's a creative way to use the same location twice and to expand your locations to make it look like you have more than you actually to deal with and you actually have to work with because you're using a creative way to open that up and make it look like it's a completely different environment, which it is, but you're in the same spot. So it's basically getting like a two for the price of one there. And also Patrick Wilson ages incredibly well. Um, he must be on that sort of alien Scientology formula that Tom Cruise has. They must have, some alien must have get made like some kind of a skin treatment form or whatnot. And then Tom sold it to Patrick. I don't know. But anyways, those two guys don't age. <laughs> anyways that's it for there's not i don't really have too much to add about the about the insidious franchise you know they're kind of like halloween style movies if you're they're more sort of they feel kind of more tv related the first one i thought was spookier the first insidious i thought was spookier but that's when they were first venturing into that territory once you go back to the same place over and over again you know how like the the world of it works and environment of it works I don't think it's as effective, but it's still a very, it's a very cool idea for a franchise. And I think it's got the potential to have a, a few more legs to it. I think they'll probably have to try and do something a little bit different to kind of expand it, which is probably why they're taking a hiatus to see what other angles they can take with it. You know, if you can catch it when it comes out. But actually, you know what? If you want to um, stick it to the corporations and Disney, go see it at the theater and like a matinee. Or, uh, you know, catch it on streaming and watch them all kind of back-to-back. This didn't really inspire me to watch them all back-to-back, but I did think I do think these are creative movies to look at, or these are movies to look at to give you ideas for indie films and how you can be creative with a very limited budget. And that's what Blumhouse does very, very well. Okay, that's it for this week. And until next time, be careful where you sleepwalk. Maybe put on some happy music before you go to sleep. Wait, if you do astral project, you'll astral project into a happy realm. Um, as opposed to the further. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to visit that. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on the Dead Harvey Podcast. Mm-hmm.